Hello and welcome back to Chasing Perfection, a UConn women's basketball podcast. As we have done plenty on this show, we're going to open with some injury news. Nothing all that surprising, just an official confirmation that Caroline Ducharme will be out for the remainder of the season. The team finally announced that on Tuesday, just ahead of the Huskies' win at Marquette. She actually released a statement on her own saying she is working to try and get better and does intend to play basketball again, which has been in question. We, we've wondered whether she will, whether she should. At this moment in time, I don't think it particularly matters whether or not she will. The fact that she has that goal, I think, is great because you need something that's going to get you through this rehab. And if it doesn't ultimately come to be, if the doctors decide or she decides that it's in her best interest not to play again, then that's one thing. But to have that goal to get back, I think it can only help her. And it's probably good for everyone involved, her, the team, the coaches, and even the fans to have that definitive nature of it, which has largely been expected. At this point, she hasn't played in three months. There's two months left of the season. First of all, is it even worth burning the medical red shirt for that? And second, would she even be good enough to contribute if she's just been sitting on the sidelines this long? So yeah, nothing that we didn't see coming. And Gino did say that there would probably be some news coming up early this week. So it it's just, in a way, nice to have that closure to it. Yeah, exactly. I think everything that we've heard surrounding this injury so far this season, I don't think it's surprising at all to hear kind of that she's officially done for the season, uh, especially being, I mean, until this week, right? I don't even think she had been with the team at a game since she's been out. So not really surprising, but hopefully at least her being on the bench some means that, you know, she's made some good progress and can keep working towards her goal of, of getting back for next year. I know it was almost like a family reunion of sorts for the DePaul game because AZ was back and AZ was on the sideline for the Georgetown game, but it seemed like she went right home after that. And Ayanna Patterson was back. I think she had taken just an extended trip back from home, which like power to her. I think that that's great. Same with AZ. Then Caroline was there supposedly had done something similar at a men's game where she was up on the concourse hanging around and then got out before you know the crowd packed in which you know if if she's a little sensitive to noise not that gamble's ever a good place but two dollar beer night for the men (laughs) against creighton yeah that's she probably had to get off campus to avoid the noise for that one because that was an unbelievable atmosphere and another two dollar beer night coming up for notre dame this saturday and I have a feeling it may be just a little more, less rowdy. I don't want to say it's going to be more toned down, but I don't think it's going to have quite that same, those same vibes and energy. Not, uh, man, I think people know what I'm trying to say. I'm not saying it's not going to have energy, just it's going to be a different type of energy. Yeah, I think you get a different crowd for the women's games, but then it's also a Saturday night versus a weekday night. So I don't know. I feel like it could be the student section in particular. I would expect those that are legally able to, to take advantage of that deal. And what did we learn over COVID? If not that UConn women's basketball players can drink anyone on the planet (laughs) under the table, 
and there are going to be plenty of alumni from the 03, 04, 13, and 14 teams, including D, Sue Bird, Stewie, pretty much all the big names that you can think of. They they seem like they're primed to have a very fun night. Oh, yeah. I can only imagine what the energy right behind the bench is going to be like. <laughs> Did I ever tell the story on here how I ran into Sue Bird at the Dairy Bar one time? I don't think so. At least I don't oh. remember it. Okay, this isn't even an old story. This happened in the fall. So I went out to stores for a UConn women's soccer game, my former program, and popped into the dairy bar before the game. And I was I was with my parents. So we're walking in and there's a guy holding this big camera. And someone's walking down the stairs. And as we're going up, I like wasn't paying super close attention. Then I kind of turn and look over the, my shoulder and I'm like, oh my God that's sue bird so i <laughs> lean over to my mom i'm like mom that's sue bird and yeah she she's doing some documentary i think it actually just premiered at one of those film festivals which is also why she was the saint joseph's mascot did we talk about that on here we did not no. oh man i also We're, entirely missed that <laughs> oh you didn't see that yeah so she was the saint joseph's university mascot they're the hawks and if you don't know the background behind that mascot it has to flap its wings the entire game and super did that for the first the first half of the game then took the suit off and was just a fan for the rest of it that i believe was also part of the documentary so she was doing something at the dairy bar with like serving ice cream i think i came in 10 15 minutes too early for her to be serving ice cream to me az fudd and Paige were there as well and now that i'm recounting this it really sounds like i'm telling you about this fever dream that i had yeah i went to get <laughs> ice cream at the dairy bar and sue bird was giving it to me along with Paige and az no i swear to god this was a real thing that happened and yeah maybe i will be in this documentary i i don't know that much more about it but i did find out that it was for the documentary along with being the saint joe's mascot yeah, I entirely missed that all of that happened. I did see something about her documentary premiering at, I forget which film festival, though. I think Sundance is the only one that I even know. Yeah, I don't know if it was that one or a different one. That is, the, I think, the only one I would know, too. Oh, it was. I was right. Oh. Two days ago. <laughs> so, apparently she's starting a production company... Wow, Sue Bird plays herself in it, according to IMDb. That, that must be a big get. All it says under storyline is, follows the life of Sue and WNBA star Sue Bird, capturing the final chapter of her 19-year career in basketball. My guess is it has something to do with, like, oh, what's Sue Bird's next job going to be now that she's done with basketball and mascot, ice cream. I'm sure there's other funny ones in there, too. Yeah, that would make a lot of sense, because otherwise those two things don't really seem to relate to her retirement from basketball at all. <laughs> yeah, aside from both being tangentially related to basketball. But yeah. anyways, I don't remember how I got on this tangent. Oh, yes. Uh, $2 beer night. Yes. We somehow started a Caroline Ducharme and got <laughs> to Sue Bird's documentary, but... Yeah, or having everyone back, it seemed like it really provided a lift to the team. There's a really funny clip where 
you know, when UConn hits a three, I believe it is, there's always someone on the bench designated to go down and give everyone high fives. And this year it's Jana because she's out for the year with the torn Achilles, but is out of the boot, is moving around pretty well, all things considered. And she goes down the whole line, but Aubrey Griffin was sitting behind the bench because she had just had her knee surgery. And Jana runs behind the bench and makes sure to give Aubrey the high five too. So very funny clip. Good to see everyone back together, even if they weren't all on the bench together. Yeah, exactly. I think probably just some good vibes for the team, which they could certainly use with the season that they've had. We're on season-ending injury number five, so. <laughs> A literal lineup worth of injuries. Yeah. Yeah. And not like players that weren't going to play either. Right. Five players that w- would have contributed to this team. <laughs> And at least three of those players started a game this year, I believe. Did Caroline start one? Yeah, she, yeah, yeah, because people really so. wanted her out of the starting lineup early in the year because she wasn't playing well. Yeah. So, yeah. Then Jana probably would have started, and yeah. Yana would have been a higher piece of the bench. So, especially with the way that Ice started, Yana would have been that, I mean, depending on which parallel universe we want to go down on she either would have been the first one off the bench behind Aaliyah the first one off the bench behind Jana and Aaliyah she would have been pretty high up on the depth chart I I figure yeah I agreed yeah I remember there was a shot during the Maryland game two years ago so at Maryland the Maryland Super Bowl game where (laughs) they had five injured players on the bench and it was Paige Ice who were the others? Nika, that was three. AZ didn't play Dor- that game, right? AZ and it must have been Dorka too. Yeah. So five players all injured, and people were like, "Oh my god, that lineup would go to the Final Four." Granted, that lineup is a lot better than the lineup that's currently out. <laughs> At the same time, I think all but two of those players returned. We're talking about five season-ending injuries. Mm-hmm. It's. It's bananas. They're not hosting opening, open walk, open open tryouts for walk-ons is what I was trying to say. Like TCU, but man, the scale of it is unbelievable. Yeah, exactly. And honestly, I don't know. Maybe they should host open tryouts just to put someone in, in for the fourth quarter so that the last starter could come out. <laughs> Would give us interesting things to talk and write about too. Exactly. But I feel like we're talking less about like yes the injuries are still a conversation because they keep happening and it's not even like Aubrey's happened that long ago it feels a lot different this year and I think there's one major reason it's that this is the first time that Paige is not one of the injured ones yeah yeah knock on literally everything (laughs) but the last two ones she was the central figure that was injured it was her it was it all surrounded her and you have her on the floor, and not only is she out there playing, but she has been just unbelievable over the last, I guess, month. Like, really since the calendar flipped to January. But even before that, she started to find her own group. But the way she is scoring a lot, being really efficient in doing so, really cranking it up on the defensive end of the ball. I, I think we've talked a lot about her blocks, a lot about her steals, but I think she's really just becoming a truly great defensive basketball player. Her rebounding has really ticked up because Gino challenged her to do so, and she's really risen to that challenge 
and she's still got that flair for the dramatic, that half-court buzzer beater yesterday against Marquette. I had the game stats open on my computer as I'm watching, and the game's already at hand, so I'm not too... Usually I'll, I won't look at it and see what happens, but I see the final score for halftime, and the game is 30 seconds maybe behind, so... I know that both teams are going to hit three-pointers before the end of this half, and (laughs) Jordan King drills the three-pointer for Marquette, and there's barely any time left. And I can't figure out how on earth UConn is going to score, and Paige starts taking it up. And I realize, oh my god, she's going to hit this from half-court. Takes two steps in from half-court, drains it. Just, it feels like it's been a little while since we've had a just classic Paige play, and that was really a classic Paige play. Yeah, and I feel like we've had a lot of those lately where she just, I don't know, like she makes these shots that you're just like, how did that even go in? And she certainly looks like the old Paige Beckers, if not much better, honestly. Clearly much better on the defensive end, maybe even better on the offensive end, too. And the numbers are starting to catch up with it, too. I think she's second in the country in win shares now. She's like third in the country for points per play, which, considering her usage percentage, that's insane it's kind of just insane how efficient she's been yeah to the point where she had what was she like seven for 11 yesterday and i don't even think i threw it in my story because i'm like ah that's not even really that noteworthy for page mm-hmm. i i put four or five from three because that shows like ah she was really good tonight even though she's normally pretty good and even the night she goes 5 for 12, we consider that a bad night for her, and it's not really even that bad of a night. I'm not even trying to take shots at anyone, which, like, believe me, I'd be more than happy to, but it's just a perfectly fine night to have. It's not like she's bad at that number, but we feel like it's bad because of the standard that she sets. Yeah, exactly. She's just so efficient every night, and what she does for this team is so important. Yeah, it's it's a different level than the page that we've seen in the past in really every single area. And I wrote today about how she's really becoming a leader on this team. And normally I really hate the leadership conversations because I think they're largely kind of pointless. But I thought it was interesting how Gino talked about she needs to be a leader because they have so many freshmen and they just take her word as gospel that she's got to be vocal and she's got to guide them instead of just getting mad because just because she can do something and she knows something doesn't mean that they can. And it's just a funny thing to say about Paige because most of what she does, no one else can do. So it would make sense that she'd get frustrated when other players aren't hitting half court jump shots at the end of the quarter. Cause that's something only Paige is going to be able to do. Yeah. I feel like it's just hard to point into words like how good, she has been especially over the last month she's playing at a different level than anyone else in the country is right now and no shade to caitlin clark in that statement she just is playing at a different level and it's just fun to watch that's a big part of it is last year was such a grind at so many different times and lou was really fun to watch and you know it's nothing against last year's team but even when Gino is buying into the hype and feeding the hype and saying that, and essentially, he didn't say it directly, but essentially saying that she's becoming a legendary type player, 
we're seeing it happen in real time and i am almost mad about it happening because what would she have been doing that sophomore year when she was averaging whatever those crazy numbers were before she got hurt and then how would she would have taken a step as a junior and assuming she came back at for the senior year where would she be at this point did we get robbed of this happening two years ago or at the same time are the injuries the reason that she is at this point because she gets it a little more her body's in better position and better shape and nutritionally she's better and she's taking care of herself better to allow herself to do these things but that what if of just what could we be seeing from Paige this year she had those two previous seasons under her belt makes me mad in, in a sort of way because even if she does come back which i think all signs point to her doing we still probably will never get to see Paige hitting her ceiling at uconn to the point where she just can't get any better because of the competition the way that stewie did and the way that maya did and the way that i i i I imagine D did. I just didn't watch her play, but it seems like she's starting to get there and there's obviously still things she can improve, but I I hope we still get to see that and get to see that for an extended stretch at some point. I agree. Maybe we get there next year. I do do think the injuries will hold her back from quite getting there a little bit, but it's still... Hopefully we'll get there at some point in her, her final season. Yeah, it's just the lost time. It's nothing mm-hmm. with her. But for now, this team has just been so much fun to watch. It's it's easy to watch. It flows. Even the Seton Hall game, that was physical. And they pull away, but it's still a pretty entertaining game. The DePaul game, they win comfortably, and it's a it's one of those vintage UConn blowouts. This game... Pretty close for the first 15 minutes, and then UConn really just blows it open in the second half. But it's not like these are all, you know, you roll up. Paige has 25. Aliyah's got a double-double. I mean, this is kind of what's happening. But it's not the exact same formula as to how every single game's going. There's enough variation where you don't quite know what you're going to expect every single night. Yeah, exactly. Now, there is... Notre Dame coming up at Gamble Pavilion. On a scale of 1 to 10, how terrified should we be? Zero. Sorry, that's a little rude. Notre Dame. I don't know. One, two. I'm like, there's like not a team in the country. I think these like metrics are more overinflated than this Notre Dame teams. Like their best win is literally a win at home over Miami. I'm unimpressed. Now, my counterpoint to that is, do you remember what's happened the last two times UConn's played Notre Dame? Yes, okay. Yeah, so we can be terrified because God <laughs> hurt. But in terms of UConn's ability to win this basketball game, I, I don't have much fear. <laughs> if UConn gets a lead at any point... Just put Pacebackers on the bench. <laughs> and Aaliyah, and Nika, yeah. and just yeah. roll with everyone else. Yeah. <laughs> But for the love of God, if they are up a lot in the fourth quarter, get Paige off the floor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we do not need a repeat of December 2021 yeah. by any means. But yeah, I mean, I think the appeal of this game is like, at least it is a, a team that is probably better than what they have seen in their last handful of games. 
they're probably better than Marquette and Creighton. Do I think they're like leaps and bounds better than Marquette and Creighton? No. Um, they're, it's going to be a quality win for UConn too. Like that's like for some reason, like Notre Dame is like 10th in the net, despite the fact that they're one in three against top 50 net teams. So it'll look good. I'm excited to see Hannah Hidalgo play in person too. Yeah, this is, it, this really feels like it's the year of the freshman. Yeah. When you talk yeah. about her, Juju's the big one, but Malaysia full Wiley. Who's the big one that I'm missing? Did I hit the big ones? I feel like there's uh, one more. I feel like there's one more at LSU and I'm blanking on her name. Oh, yes. Michaela Williams? Yes, yes. And in n- not to take away from the other ones, but just KK Arnold and National Shade have been really good for freshmen too. Yeah. Just because they're not superstar level, Paige Becker's level, they are still really impressive for freshmen and... You know, they're probably, you'd probably put them in the top 10 for freshmen this season. They just, I, they do kind of have to have a role where they play a lot, but neither of them are the ball dominant guards the way that a Page or a lot of these other ones that we just mentioned are. Yeah, exactly. But no, they've still been really, really good in their own right and maybe aren't doing as flashy as things as some of the other ones. I mean, you've got both Juju Watkins and Hannah Hidalgo are in positions where they're leading their teams. So it, it just tends to lend us that being in that position lends itself more to the accolades and things. But yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure the combination of KK Arnold and Ashton Shade has pretty much swept the Big East freshman of the week. Honors. I think Caden's got one. But I don't yep. think anyone else has got any. <laughs> There's one. They've had 10 out of the 11 weeks, those three. So I'm really curious to see what happens for the Big East Freshman of the Year. I know we have a lot of time, but if, let's say, Ashlyn ends up with... How many more weeks are there? Like six? Let's say there's six weeks left, and Ashlyn ends up with four of those... Wait, six. No, no, that's not. That was not mathing. <laughs> Two, and then KK gets three, and then one. Someone else gets one more. How do you? Sp- I I think you just got to give them co freshman of the year, right? Because if you were giving one of them an award right now, I don't really see a whole lot of daylight in their performances between each other. I think they've both been really the exact same levels of contributors, just in completely different fashion. Yeah, I agree. I think it's like splitting hairs to try to pick between the two of them. How do they determine Big East end of the season awards? Is it like a vote by the coaches? It's probably just going to come down to like they're probably close to split the vote. Yeah, I it would just feel unfair if either one gets it over the other. Unless there's a clear push by one or the other where they really separate themselves, but... You know, you take out the awards and the fact that it's five for Ashlyn and four for KK. I don't know that I could make an argument for one over the other because they do such different things and they have an impact in such different ways, but they've both been so good, so consistent, and they've both really improved as the season's gone on. Agreed, yeah. I think the improvement has been huge from both of them, and yeah, they've both done so much for this team. But just to go back to Notre Dame for a second, I also think it helps to get a different name. As much as we know that Creighton and Marquette 
are good teams in the grand scheme of things. UConn has spent so many years just dominating conference opponents. And even they lost two conference games last year. Could have lost three if you include Villanova. And yet every single time it feels like a major surprise. The one exception would probably be that game they played down at Villanova last year. I think there was a real sense that UConn could lose that and that was going to be a real battle, but it doesn't feel like there's that sort of team in the Big East this year that could legitimately challenge them. So even if they beat Notre Dame by 30 points, is anyone in that crowd going to be walking out upset that they just beat Notre Dame by 30 points as opposed to beating name your Big East team? No, it it's still Notre Dame. Yeah, exactly. I, I do think that it's this win will, assuming they win it, will carry some weight. And if they come in and beat Notre Dame by thirty points, like that's going to go a long way for the selection committee too. So it, it's going to carry more weight than those Marquette and Creighton wins. Yeah, I was just looking at a lot of the metrics yesterday. I think I went through her hoop stats, Massey, the net. And there is one more that off the top of my head I can't think of, but is very good at predicting the final four. EOB or EOD? Does that sound familiar? No, but that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. I just probably don't know about it. (laughs) (laughs) Regardless, every single one of them has UConn as a top three team. Some of them, it even has UConn as the number two team in the country. So I ask you, as a bracketologist, can you give an argument as to why UConn is a number one seed and why they may not necessarily be a one seed on a lot of these bracketologies and maybe on that committee's first reveal if they're not on the one line? Yeah, I would be better at telling you exactly where I think they are right now in like a couple hours because I'm about to update the hoops that's one tonight (laughs) (laughs) but I mean I think the argument for the one seed is like very clear that they're they're two in the net they are the number one strength of schedule in the country they are let's see eight and three against the net top 50 I don't know that anyone else has eight net top 50 wins i don't think anyone else yeah i'm scanning right now and can confirm that no one else has eight top 50 wins um the reason they might not be they just don't have that statement win right now i think that's what they're lacking you lost to ucla you lost to texas you lost to nc state those were kind of your three chances for for your statement wins the notre dame one honestly they go in and win that notre dame game convincingly that that's gonna move the, the needle for them obviously still south carolina coming i don't think they need to win that game by any way shape or form to be a one seed I, I don't think that i mean if they do win it i think they will be pretty clearly be a one seed but i don't think they need to win it but i think it's the the strength of schedule and then combined with they haven't lost a game now too since november or December 3rd, whatever that Texas game was, like, when you get to March, the committee does look at, like, recent success. So if they keep rolling like this, too, I I can see them ending up there. Right, you beat me to it with the recent success. of the only game they've lost in the past, so February, January, December, three months, 
is to an undefeated South Carolina team on the road, that has to count for something. Especially you talk about that NC State game. They had AZ Fudd. They had Caroline Ducharme. And yes, those are good players, but it's also just Aubrey Griffin. But it's a completely different roster now. It's a completely different roster, really. Uh, It's the same roster for the most part, minus Aubrey, but... There's just such a clear dividing line for this team that when they figured it out, it's been a 180 compared to before they did. I mean, before they did, people were talking about, are they even going to be in the top 25 poll? And now it's, are they going to be on the one line? Yeah, exactly. And they're like, I don't know that I'm going to quite put them there yet, but they're definitely creeping towards looking that way. And then what's also going to help them, right, is, like, these other concert, or other conferences, like, the teams are all beating up on each other. Before, it was like they had three losses and no one else had three losses. I think we're very quickly outside in South Carolina heading towards, and everyone else has three losses, too. And you can't say that, like, they haven't played anyone. The number one trick schedule in the country, so... Right, what they don't have in that high-quality win, they have such a strong... Middle class isn't even the perfect word, but just that middle class of like strong victories with two over Marquette and the just absolute obliteration of Creighton and Louisville and North Carolina. Notre Dame, if that happens on Saturday, you have a really good body of them. You just don't have that one that you can put on top and really pick out and show everyone. But at a certain point, I feel like the the overall picture has to outweigh what really pulls you in, the jewel. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I think they're definitely trending in that direction, and a convincing win on Saturday is also going to go a long way to moving them there. If nothing else, them being a one seed would save us from so much unnecessary discourse about UConn <laughs> being in Albany. Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> I was thinking about this yesterday. Is the city of Albany still going to be standing by the time those regionals are over if Yukon and South Carolina are both in the city? Separate regionals, but the same city? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> that will be interesting. <laughs> that is a clashing fan base at a very small subset of bars. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Throw Iowa in there, too, just to see the chaos that unfolds. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... Yeah, I don't know that there's three fan bases that, like... Well, other than, like, UConn and Notre Dame, too. But, like, South Carolina, Iowa, and UConn that are, like, more relevant and dislike each other so much on the internet. I don't even feel like Notre Dame has a huge presence the way those other schools right. do. What can... like? Congrats on losing more national championship games than anyone else in history. I think they know exactly who they are. Yeah. (laughs) So, and Tennessee's too downtrodden to say anything anymore. Exactly. Assuming they're even in the tournament. Making the tournament, yeah. I think they will, but... (laughs) Yeah, even if they do, they ain't going far. But I just cannot go through another cycle of the, oh, 
X school is is getting uh, punished by the committee by being put in Albany with UConn as the yeah. two. I I can't do it again. No, me neither. That Although they just end up on the one line. They're gonna be Especially one, and like, then if they're gonna be like the two in Iowa's region if they're like not the one or something. And yeah, that's just gonna the internet is gonna break. <laughs> Man. That Sweet 16 matchup against whoever the three seed is in that region would be crazy. Or Elite <laughs> Eight. Yeah. <laughs> or no, it would be the four if Iowa was the one. Uh, yeah. Miss, missed that joke. I was making a joke that Iowa was going to lose before they'd <laughs> yeah. play UConn. And did not land the plane there. Alas, <laughs> we persevere. We persist. Having a normal one tonight. <laughs> Something that Megan actually pointed out to me recently, and my immediate response was, I don't believe you by any stretch of the imagination, and then I had to go look it up for myself and found out she was true. She was right. Nika Mule, currently on pace to set UConn's all-time assist record, which I find that unbelievable considering a shortened COVID season as a freshman, she really didn't do anything until a month into her freshman season, two months into her freshman season, maybe. Then her assist numbers were always good, but nothing that really jumped off the page until last year when she really exploded with the single season record. Still, the fact that she's on pace to do it this season and has some pretty, not a ton of wiggle room, it's not like last year where she did it in was it the regular season finale? Yeah, I for think the so. seasoned record. Yeah. It it's not going to be that comfortable I imagine, but if she's on her current pace at least prior to the Marquette game, her current pace from the time she really turned her season around up until the Marquette game, she could do it by the end of the Big East tournament. If not, we're kind of looking at the Sweet 16, the Elite 8 range. So not guaranteed, but she's certainly going to get close and is almost certainly going to do it considering I'm pretty confident she'll be back next year. But I think to do it in four years and to have it broken in four years would really have a lot more significance and meaning. Yeah, I think to be fair, like even if it happened like a couple games into next season, she's probably doing it in less games than anyone else has because of that shortened COVID season. But and the fact that like, I think Mariah Jefferson is in second who played in, you know, four national championship games in her career. So had some pretty long seasons, but yeah, I do agree that just doing it in the four seasons makes it hold a little bit more weight. Yeah. Especially, so many of these records across the country are going down from players in their fifth year for someone who not only does it in four years, but does it again. I, I cannot emphasize enough with a COVID shortened season, really not that the, her sophomore year was that shortened, but they lost like two or three games that year due to COVID. They lost a game last year, so they haven't even played a truly full season. No, they got the DePaul game in, didn't they? Did they reschedule yeah, they that? Made, I, they made everything up last year that they had to. Okay. So we're talking two full seasons and then one mostly full season and another partial season. 
I still can't really believe it, even though I've done the math multiple times. Yeah, it's it's truly crazy to kind of think about. I don't think... Honestly, I didn't even like think it would have been a remote possibility until they said on SMY after one of the away games recently that she had, like, or was, like, one away from the top ten. And then I was like, where would she end up at her current pace? It's like, wait, that, that that's first. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, if she gets there, she's going to have the career assist list, which Mariah Jefferson's currently on top. She was pretty good, if you don't remember. Then she would have the seasons list. And actually, if she does break the record, she would have the top two spots on the total assists in a season over Sue Bird, who held that mark for over 20 years. And Nika would do it in back-to-back seasons, one of which she would be playing with two other point guards who also have some pretty good assist numbers. It's not like Paige and KK can't move the ball and aren't moving the ball. And then not only would she have the game's record with 15 against NC State last season, there have been nine 13-plus assist games in program history, and Nika has five of them. And the other four are all are four different players. So whichever way you want to talk about how unbelievable Nika's been as a passer, I mean, it's it really is remarkable. Yeah, it's it's just so impressive. One last note to close up here. Two more McDonald's All Americans for UConn, Morgan Shelley, Ali Zabel. I think that was, it was expected. I knew Zabel would get it. I was a little less certain about Shelly, but the way her stock's risen in the past few months, winning the Nike Tournament of Champions with her high school, it seems like she's really getting a lot more attention as having a really good senior season. So I expected her to be on there, but always just very fun. The best accolade that you can get as a high schooler in both UConn's incoming players have it and if they have a three-player freshman class then all three will have it because sarah strong got it too on that note that is going to do it for this episode of chasing perfection thanks for listening